Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast. My name is Varo, and with me tonight we have a special guest. We have Melissa joining us from the Chivas Feminine English account. She also writes for Babel.com. And on our end, we got Luis. Flo is not on the call tonight, and Rigo is still mourning the loss of his 49ers in the Super Bowl. I can't confirm if he's alive or not. I don't know. <laughs> Rigo tweeted today, so he is alive. Or maybe somebody took over his account, but we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, how are you tonight? What's up? Great, doing great. I'm so happy to be here. I always listen to your podcast. Oh. Wow, welcome. Thank welcome. you for listening. <laughs> we're excited to have you on. It's a, we, we, we were going to have Amy because she's one of the Chivarmanas that we love to invite on the podcast, but we were like, let's invite somebody different. <laughs> so sorry, <laughs> yeah, Amy. Not, sorry, Amy. Not this time. Legendary Chivarmana Amy Lopez. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Cousin to Chivarmana. Sorry, Amy, for saying that. Cousin to Chivarmana Lopez. Don't say sorry to Amy. It's because of her we like tied every game now. <laughs> You know, yeah, that's why I'm apologizing because I don't want her to jinx <laughs> the the women's team as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that jinx transferred over because last I think last night they lost one uh, nil, right, to Pachuca. Yeah, to Pachuca. Uh, we're, we're, we'll get into all that, um, but I think we're gonna start with the men's side of Chivas this week, and uh, we're not gonna break down every game just because we haven't recorded in two weeks, I think, or a week. We skipped the whole like week. A week and a half, I yeah, think. Yeah, because there, there was three games in like seven days. so we, They've all been the same, though. Yeah, basically. And I didn't want to record because, say we did do it right after the Dorados game, I felt like it would have been outdated. Just because we played on Friday right away. Like, the content would have been outdated. So, I figured we'll just yeah, wait. Yeah, the game's midweek. Yeah, but... All right, so the last three Chivas games on the men's side. Chivas tied 2-2 to Toluca at home. They got knocked out of the Copa MX in the penalty shootout against Dorados. And they tied 2-2 to San Luis in, uh, in San Luis on Friday night. And I don't know, is it, is it time to panic? What do, you, what do y'all think? Panic? I don't think it's time to panic. It's just time to fire our coach. It's time. That's I'm, done with, I'm done with Dena. <laughs> nah, we can just bring... Well, the team is good. We can just bring somebody else to take over. But I want him gone, man. It's it's the same. We're seeing the same, the same errors every week. The substitutions he makes, uh, the players he's still using, players like Ponce, and Ponce is still making mistakes. We brought in Calderon, who's one of the best, who was probably the best left back in Mexico last year, as far as Mexican left backs, and he, he's putting him at left wing every game. When we got Angulo to play that position, so I don't know, man. Then it's a mess right now. Yeah, at some point you have to wonder if it's really going to improve or is he just going to stick to what he's been doing? And I think that, that they should definitely start thinking about a replacement for him. Yes, that's two. Come on, Var, join. Uh, I mean, for content purposes, I have to be the devil's advocate, right? I have to say we gotta keep giving we gotta keep giving Tena some time, even though I don't a hundred percent feel like that because I feel like his substitutions have been really bad and. Especially against uh, that Toluca game, where we, I know people are going to bring up Ronaldo Cisneros getting that red card. But then I just packed it up right away. Like he subbed off, I remember Chofis, I think he subbed off. He subbed off Beltran, I think. And then he subbed off somebody up top. But he did it way too fast. It was like maybe 60th minute. That's still half hour to play. And you're defending, you know. 
We're lucky we didn't lose that game against Toluca. You didn't watch. You didn't watch the San Luis game, but he did the same thing against San Luis. He takes out Chelsea's like in the fifty-fifth around there somewhere, and then takes out Fernando Beltran in the seventieth. And and you bring in players like Brizuela and Gallito Vasquez who don't provide that like ball possession, control the controlling the flow of the game, and you could just see it, man. San Luis just just got on top and just started attacking us. Um, yeah, the substitution, I just, it just don't make sense to me. Why would you take trophies out? He's the best player on the field. I mean, he created on the first penalty to Angulo, no, not to Antuna. He puts a perfect pass in stride to Antuna. On the second penalty, Antuna plays him a pass backwards while he's running full speed, and he just one-touches it to Peralta, who gets fouled in the box. Like, he's the creator of the of the team right now. Why would you take him out? Yeah, I think Chopin is that player that you can't sub off just because how just because of how special he is and how at any moment he can win you a game. But I mm-hmm. I don't know. I I did it on the on the Chivas del Norte Twitter account. Somebody um asked us about Tena and specifically like what what did we think about what he did right after Cisneros got the red card? And um like just like a week before that I think um Arsenal had played Chelsea. And I I really wanted Flo to be on the call for this one, but uh Arsenal somebody somebody got a red card. I think David Luis got a red card. And we had uh, Martinelli, a Brazilian winger striker, playing up top. And he was going to sub him off. And then last second, he like changed it up and he left him on. And they asked him about it like after the game, why he decided to leave the attacker on. And he said that it was like a team mentality thing. He said, if I subbed our striker off, they would have the mentality that I've given up and that I just want to protect the tie right now. And he said... I wanted the players to make that decision for for themselves. Like, you know, if this guy let it, gave us a chance, so are we going to go win the game for him or are we just going to throw it away? It ended up tying, they ended up tying 2-2, but Martinelli ended up scoring right. like a full, kind of like a full, he did like a full field uh, run and he got the right. one-on-one with the goal and he scored. But that's what I'm, that's like the, I know there's like a pedigree to compare Arteta to Dena, but I feel like, that's something that's lacking. Yeah, one. Mexican yeah, coaching. one's an Olympic gold champion, another one. <laughs> Arsenal. The other one been with Arsenal has won nothing, right? <laughs> but no, I mean, but he's been hard, under that... Pep Guardiola's uh, like right, right. mentorship and stuff. Yeah, but that's no, the kind that's of mentality true, we need, though. right? Like, what are you telling the team when you take trophy when when you take your best player out fifty minutes into the game? Like, what are you telling the, the rest of the team? Yeah, man, I don't get it. And then the Dorados game. The Dorados game. I thought that's like penalties are always like a crapshoot. It could go either way. But I know a lot of people jumped on Ponce, which I'm not. It's like whatever. Ponce is not what a PK specialist. That's why he was in the top five. And it's not like he skied it. It was on target. The goalie just got lucky and got his leg out because he didn't hit it to his hands or anything. I was more mad at Gudino no. for the shootout. Bro, Ponce is fucking terrible. He needs to, he needs to go too. <laughs> and this, I'm telling you, in the second goal against San Luis, he is he has the opportunity to clear the ball. He's in the box. He has the opportunity, clears it, and he clears it like five feet to the other player, who then shoots it and scores. So, but we we talked about this. I think we talked about well, the last time we recorded is like when he's going to start using these players. It's like you can't keep going with the z- the same formula over and over. Like it's now we're going on like four games in a row now where the same thing's happening, and people can say like, okay, the team is still undefeated, which is true. 
Well, in, in the league they are. They're still undefeated, which is true. But I feel like we went through this with Cardoso. We talked about it last time. This is when Cardoso took over the team, I think the following season, we started out the exact same way. The defense was playing good. We were kind of top of the league for like the first maybe four or five weeks and then just went downhill. And it's starting to feel like that way again. Do you think that the extra travel time that they did to San Luis maybe might have affected them somehow? Because that was a mess. They were supposed to, yeah, they were supposed to fly from Guadalajara to San Luis. Uh -huh. And it was just going to be like a couple of hours, but that day it was super windy. I live in San Luis and they suspended all the flights and they redirected the flight to Victoria and then to Leon. And then they had to go from Leon to San Luis by bus. So instead of doing two hours, they did like eight hours, I think, of travel. So I mean, it might have, but... Did you, wait, by the way, did you go to the game? No, I didn't. Um, I ha I had been thinking about getting tickets, but then I started to see how the injuries were piling up. <laughs> uh -huh. And it was, and the tickets were like way, the prices were way overblown. And it was really hard to get tickets because um, the Estadio Lastras has like 25K capacity. Uh -huh. And like half is already sold to season uh, ticket holders. And then it was really hard to get hold of tickets, so I right. just decided to save money instead and go to the Akron for a game. <laughs> oh, that's cool. No, no, I would uh, trust me. As soon as I saw Oribe Peralta, I would have been, I would have done the same thing as you. As soon as Oribe started, I was like, uh, I knew it was going to be a hard game when Oribe was starting. But as far as the travel, I don't know. Like it's hard for me to. I don't know because I'm not like a professional athlete. But I feel like they should be able to overcome that. They train so hard. They work. They exercise. I don't know. I don't think travel. I don't. I can't blame it on the travel just because it's the same thing over and over and over. If this was like the only game we saw it play out the way it did, then maybe. But we've, we're seeing this repeatedly now. Yeah, this point is whether Tena is going to be able to break the pattern he's falling right. into again and again. Right. And I, I had this conversation. It was... Damn, with somebody that covers Chivas for, I don't know, for somebody in Mexico, I don't know who it was, but he was saying that, because I was saying that you have to do something different. When Oribe Peralta's starting, you know Oribe is not going to really score. He doesn't provide anything. I mean, we can all admit it. Then admits it by putting Cisneros in front of him. So he's not going to provide anything. So you, you have to take, you have to find new ways to score. So you have trophies and With trophies playing, you need to surround them with better talent. And I think the the new guys that he has in Antuna and Angulo should have been those two options on the wings. I, I think he made a mistake putting Chicote at left wing. Um, I think he can play it, but I think it'd be better for the team if he plays left back and just gives more options from the left back, the left wing, the right wing. It was unfortunate that Chapito didn't play because Chapito can give you that option from the right back position as well, but... With Oribe Peralta out there, you need to put as many possibilities to score as possible. And I think uh, Tena failed in doing that with the lineup. Yeah, he's now tied with Tonyo, right? In goal scored with, with Chivas. <laughs> 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 and he gave him that penalty, too. And to be honest, I'll be, this is the one thing like I'll, I'll, I'll give Tena credit for. I think he made the right choice in letting Oribe take the second penalty. Just because trophies had taken like the past couple penalties and they were all in the same spot, so I think he did the right choice in letting some letting somebody different take a penalty. Uh, did he go right corner again, trophies? Yeah, he, he went right. right corner again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. So when funny? the second penalty came around, he let Oribe take it. I was I was at the 
I was at at the next game, the next basketball game on Friday night, but I was trying to like have the game on on my phone, but it was like buffering in and out, and then I saw Oribe was gonna take a penalty, and my friend who like knows soccer, and she was like, "Why is Oribe taking this penalty?" Like, it's like he sucks, and she's an America fan. It's like she's like, "Why?" She's like, "Is Chopi's dead or something?" Like, <laughs> but I figured he took. No, the, I, think, I figured he I'm took the first one, that's why. so that's why they didn't do it, right? Yeah, yeah, you don't want to let the same guy take another yeah. penalty. Yeah, it was becoming predictable. And maybe so, he thought like, he thought he like, would like revive him, right? With that goal, give him the confidence, since he hadn't scored in like over a year. Bro, he got on his knees and like started praying after he <laughs> scored. <laughs> I would too. You couldn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, every time I do score a goal, I get on my knees and pray because I can't believe it. <laughs> I think, like, I, I think we've talked about this. I think Ben is going through that difficult. What we understood would be the difficult decisions of. How long before he starts using the new guys, right? I think that's that's where he's stuck. Does he keep? I mean, he already take, taking Konehita Konehita out was a big big step forward. I was, I was I don't, about I think to that say, yeah. Everyone, I was about to say he already made the first big move, yeah. which is benching Brizuela, yeah. which everybody wants to take credit for now. But we've been saying it for like over a year, guys. Brizuela is on the decline. And yeah. I see like I see people claiming that they've been tweeting him. Like, where are the tweets? I want the proof. <laughs> But that's a big first move. Right. Yeah, because we've been... Put it wasn't this season. It was last out season. There. Or before that, too. Yeah. The decline was coming, and we've seen it coming for, like, a year. Like, still didn't stop me from buying a Brizuela jersey last year in Guadalajara, but now I regret <laughs> it. <laughs> now, Ponce is the next one. Ponce is the next one that's got to go. Hopefully, it starts this week. Yeah, we got we got Theater this week. At least we're playing them at home. Do we have though. a healthy striker? Cisneros is back from the red. I don't know how... I don't What's think I think JJ, I think JJ was out for twenty one days, minimum. Vega's like twenty one to twenty five. Twenty one. JJ Macias was out for twenty one. Oh. Vega, I think it was like twenty one to twenty five. Chapo was, I think, two two to three weeks. Who else was hurt? Did somebody oh, else get hurt? Him back too. Somebody but... else got hurt on Friday night. Oh, Yamir got hurt. Oh no, that that one he's yeah. fine. Um, Dana, fine? Oh, yeah, Dana oh, said he had Boyo a... Viseño came in and, and and played really good. Yeah, Mieta was back at practice on Monday. They said it was like a stomach pain. That's why he took him off. But he should be fine oh, to go good. Saturday night against Tigres. Then what other... That's good. The Chicote Calderon is a big move, I guess. But you said he didn't really execute the left wing play that well? Um, No, I think he can do fine. I just... For me, it's just more options to the offense, especially if we don't have a striker. Like, because Bonsa doesn't give you that offensive um, option. I just think when you have someone like like Peralta, you have to find more ways, like more options. And I just think Chicote coming from the left back, along with Angulo at left wing, would just be the better. Would just be better for the team. Right. Because right now we're just relying solely on trophies creating. And they played Angulo and. Uh... Chicote come from Necaxa, so they have experience playing together. Right, chemistry. Right, the same yeah. chemistry we talked about. We, we people like about Brizuela and Chapito, they would have that. Right. Oh, too bad you missed this game, man. The ref was crazy. Was wild in this game. Oh yeah, bro. He, there was like four penalties. We went to VAR like five times. Uh we would he, would we have finally yeah, had a VAR with Varo segments? <laughs> Bro, the whole Man. game was a Varo Varo segment. <laughs> Melissa, you watched the game or no? 
Yeah, I, I missed part of the first half, but then I watched uh -huh. the second, and yeah, that ref was like, something happened, and penalty. Yeah. Penalties for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so think about it. There was three penalties that happened. Another one that he called against Chivas where I forgot who he called it on. Like, he didn't even touch the guy. Uh, but then he went to VAR, and they got and he, he, called, he said it wasn't a foul. But I even think it was Antuna. Was it Antuna? Yeah, when he he raised his leg to, yeah, to deflect yeah. the ball, but he didn't even touch the other player. Yeah. I think it was that one. But even like the the penalty he gave at Sunday's, I didn't think it was a penalty. Like it didn't really seem like there was really much like push. There was no really pushing or nothing. It just seemed like he wanted to give them a penalty, like to make up for maybe one of the Chivas ones. That sucks. Yeah, he was trying to compensate. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't watch then. It was if it was one of those games, I would have just been that would have ruined my whole weekend. So glad yeah. I didn't watch. Oh, by the way, let me just say because a lot of people were asking us because I, I think I was the one tweeting from the account. They're like, "How are you watching this game?" <laughs> and it, it's just next time there's a game that there's no rights to in the U.S., just follow the stray goat, and you can find it on. You'll find a link to the game. <laughs> I thought they were gonna. I was hoping they were gonna do what they did for the uh, Chivas and San Luis Femenil game. Where they they streamed it through Facebook, but even that stream was kind of bad. Like it kept going in and out. So I figured, I think Max oh, it hit. Terrible. Yeah, it hit like ten. It hit like ten k viewers at one at one point, and it kind of just crashed out. Uh -huh. So I don't. They probably wouldn't be able to have handled the viewer amount anyways. But I was. I was hoping. I was they like watching with, on, with trying to watch on YouTube. Right. That's what I thought they should have done, too. That we're gonna get the rights and put it on Chivas TV. Yeah, I wonder why give, they didn't give do it. San Luis some money. Yeah, it would have been good for them. They would have got. They would have got paid. The link though, the link I was watching, I was watching it on YouTube, and it was a really good link. Shout outs to whoever was recording, but it was just like a minute behind. <laughs> but it was a good link. Do you think that has to do with um, TV deals? Like, who does San Luis's games are aired on? What ESPN in Mexico? I think. Yeah. And yeah, ESPN in Mexico. And then Dorado's games have to be... They're, they're probably not on ESPN. I don't know if Ascenso gets televised. Maybe that's why. Maybe they just don't have a TV deal. It's weird that they wouldn't show the games like on ESPN Deportes here in the States. So. That's what but a lot my only of thing is, The only thing I can think of is they just don't want to give the money. Like They don't want to pay money for the TV rights in the U.S. because who's going to watch this on Wii's game? Like, realistically. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I don't watch the men's games for the San Luis team, and I live and you there. Live there? <laughs> I only go to the women's games. Yeah, so I think it's just a business decision. ESPN doesn't want to give the money. Yeah, that's probably probably what it was. But if they have if they have it in Mexico, I I would assume like their rights are like cross country. No, like you're an affiliate, you're our affiliate, so we'll just let you have it. Well, I don't know. It might not. It might not be that. No, simple. because the team sells the rights, and they don't. They want money for that. But you no, gotta understand. But that's what I'm what saying. Like, if they sold it, if they sold it to ESPN, and San Luis has a deal with ESPN in, in Mexico, Mexico. Would, wouldn't you assume ESPN, the Bordas, and the Stakes could just get it too? Or it probably, it probably doesn't work that way. Though. If I was, I would have assumed that San Luis would have at least gone and said, "Give me money for at least this game." Yeah. You know, because you know this game is gonna get viewers. Let's work something out. At least if they play America at home, maybe I don't know. Get give me give me something for these games. But I guess not. 
But then again, Liga MX doesn't really. Yeah, they need to recover. US. They need, they need to recover the money because, um, the America game when they came here to San Luis, that was the one that fell under the when they beat out the sta- the stadium. Uh huh. That they played it with no fans. Oh really? Oh really? So that's wow. why people here were. They were joking that the ticket prices were so high because they were trying to compensate the money they lost with that game. <laughs> was that was that because of the chant that they got at the stadium, Ben? No, it, it was after the Querétaro fight with with the Querétaro fans. Oh, okay. So there was this huge brawl at the San Luis Stadium. It was crazy. I actually went to the women's game the next day, and they had like a crew of thirty people sweeping off glass from the from a section of the stadium. And the the match lasted what like two hours. We were there, and they hadn't they hadn't finished sweeping off all the all the glass that was on the stands after the fight. It was crazy. Damn, that's, that's crazy. crazy. I, I feel like I didn't even hear about that though. I remember there was like a fight. I don't, but remember. I, I don't remember if it was the San Luis game. I thought it was like Atlas because they're always fighting. No, just that the like the regional rivalry is with Querétaro and Necaxa, so those matches always get really crazy. And I think it was a big mistake from front office because they put the Querétaro fans on the lower part of the cabecera, and they put San Luis no, they put them on the higher part and San Luis fans underneath. So the Querétaro fans started throwing things at the San Luis fans, and that's when all hell broke loose right there. Ah, uh, okay. So it was it was more on the security and stuff Poor like planning. that. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, really bad planning there. All right. So let's talk Chivas's next game. Chivas is gonna play Tigres. Um, unfortunately, Flo is not on the call today, so we're gonna have to do the Flo's gambling corner segment on our own, Luis. As <laughs> as listeners know, like we're not very uh, good at reading these lines or understanding what they mean. That's why we want Flo to be on the call. Right. But I'm looking at the thing right now. And it says Chivas plus 325. So what I think that means plus. is if we bet $50 on the Chivas win. No, 100, 100. Or right. Well, I was going to divide it in two. But yes, if, oh, we okay, bet, okay. if we bet $100 on Chivas to win, we would get a 325 return. So with your bet, you would get plus 125. Right, 425. But yeah. that also means that Vegas thinks we are not going to win because we're no. we're the underdogs at home. No, they think we have no chance. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> the odds are so high. Like they think Tigres is going to win easily, or not, or we, or either end in the draw, or that Tigres is going to win. And then the draw is because no, they, they the think draw Tigres is, is going to beat us. Yeah, yeah. And then the draw is a good return because <laughs> if you bet a hundred on Chivas to draw. You would win two hundred forty-five dollars. So you're still winning. You're still doubling your money. So all we need is for Chivas not to lose, and you can double whatever you put down. Well, if you bet on the draw or the win, but I'm saying they just don't have to lose. And you would not win. on the win. No, on the you have to bet specifically either on Chivas win or the draw. Well, no, that's you what can't I'm get you like both pick, out of it. Right. If you pick, no matter which one you pick, you are gonna right. at least double your money. Right. If it happens, but. How is Tigres Has Tigres started the season good? Uh, that's what I was about to ask, but I know they've they've also have they've they've also had like injuries. I know Gignac hasn't been playing. Um, I saw Diego Reyes got hurt, but that's probably like a good thing for them. No, they're at the they're towards the bottom of the league. Yeah, they're thirteen. They got four points. They got four points. We got six of us. 
pretty much. Right. So they tied nil <laughs> nil with uh, San Luis. They lost to America one nil. They beat Atlas two to one, and then they just lost to Pachuca two nil. So we have mm. t- two opponents in common. We have San Luis. They tied nil nil. We tied two two. And then they lost to Pachuca 2-0, and we grew with Pachuca 0-0. So if we're comparing opponents, we've done a little better just because we didn't lose to Pachuca. And then America and Atlas are, uh, aren't doing too bad. Atlas is in 8th place. They got 6 points just like us. And America has 4 points with 1 game less than us. And they got 4. Yeah, America's not doing bad. But they lost to Juarez. <laughs> oh, they did lose to Juarez this weekend. <laughs> but I don't see why... We're play- we're playing at home, right? I don't know why Tigres would be favored so much. If there was a- if this was at uh Universidad Universi- or Volcan, whatever. Oh, it is it is at Universitario. Never mind. That's why we're not we're not favored at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Damn. And people, people are probably back. yelling He's at playing. me while I'm reading that we're at home and stuff. All right, so we're away. That's why the odds are all right. The odds make sense now. You know what makes me feel good is that their center back is Salcedo and Diego Reyes. Well, Diego Reyes got hurt. He's out. I saw a tweet today. Oh, damn. Which is like, it's a good thing for them. I, I think I'd rather not have Diego Reyes playing for my team. Then we got to think who's going <laughs> to play But Sancel is like an extra player for Chivas, right? <laughs> yeah. He's going to get a red card thing. again on purpose. <laughs> he wants like, to come back. <laughs> I thought there was a chance until they finally played him. Because there was that rule that if they don't play any minutes, they can, they're still like eligible to be bought. But he got, he got yeah. playing minutes already. I'm just trying to think you know what? who will be our striker. I was gonna say this this might be a good game to um Yeah, it's gonna be seasonal. It's not gonna be what even. No way. But this would be a good game to like throw to split it. Twenty five on the draw and twenty five on the um Chivas win. Can we do that? Can you yeah, bet you can on bet two different results? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. I thought you had to pick I thought you could only put in a bet for like one result. No, you can bet on, on on two results. You can throw like 50 on each. Alright, so we won't pick a line right now. We'll put it in the Discord or we'll tweet it out. Um, yeah. Just because I want to yeah, I want to make sure we're, we read that right. We gotta we gotta discuss with Flo. But um, predictions for Saturday night? Predictions. Chivas win. I'm always going with the Chivas <laughs> win. Even though it's Stena, but... I'm hoping that Dennis starting to learn. This is the last chance I'm giving him right here. This game right here is the last chance I'm giving him. This is the game I've been calling all pod this season that it was going to be our defining moment. This is when we finally knew what, what the team was. So I think I'm going to go 1-0 win Chivas. Cause we're we're going to go with a draw. Draw? <laughs> a draw? Yeah. I wanted to do draw. A, but... draw's, a draw's reasonable. Yeah, but I've been saying this is going to be the week that we know what the team is, and I, I want the team to be good, so therefore I'm going to pick the win. Um, today, then I was like singing Tuka's praises on uh, at his press conference. He was saying like yeah, Tuka's like what you aspire to be. You know, he's been coaching at the Eagles for so long. You know, he's had a long tenure there, and he's been doing it consistently over the last like, X amount of years. So maybe that's like, you know mental mind games praising him just so he could let his guard down a little but I think they just at this point they just hates us just because of that final I feel like they never got over it and they're gonna try to they're gonna come out all out against us especially with them at home they just doesn't worry me in 2020 they're good <laughs> but they don't really like worry me 
Maybe it's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't think you can sweet talk Tuca. <laughs> he probably doesn't. He didn't even read what Tena said. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't care. Is he too busy getting into car accidents? Yeah. We just gotta Rushing stop. <laughs> <laughs> we just gotta stop Guignac. That's it. Well, he might not and I play. Like, I like. Well, he played the other day. No, I think he re- didn't. He just return to practice. I thought I read I that he the, just returned. I saw him in the. I saw him in the lineup versus Pachuca. Oh, all right. Never mind then. They don't scare me. <laughs> We're gonna win this game two one for sure. <laughs> just don't take trophies out, man. <laughs> Maybe it's good we, call, we catch him. Game, please, catch him please. early in the early in the season because they usually yeah. warm up towards the end. Just take just let's just take bones out of the game. Leave him at home. Or, I don't know. Who's Pachuca's right winger? Is it Dam or is it Aquino? Or does Aquino even play the start for them? No, I think they have a different right wing. So but Dam, Dam comes off the bench. Okay. Quinones. Luis Quinones. Okay. I was gonna He's say fast. if you get washed, if you get washed by Jurgen Dam, like then you should definitely never play for Chivas again. Quinones is good though. No, I'm fast. saying, but I'm saying like if Jurgen Dam comes in and washes you, somebody like recently. Praise Jurgen Dam, and they said he had like European quality. I remember reading the tweet, and I was like, "What are he might, they he might on?" Have a Euro, might have a European first name. That's about it. Yeah, they said he had European quality. I was like, "Bro, he's washed, and like not never even hit his prime." All right, that's. I think that's enough for the men's side. We've discussed the last three games. Then, uh, um, lineup changes he's made, <laughs> and predictions for the Tigres game. Now, for the first time ever in uh, Chivas in Norte history, we're going to jump into the Chivas Femenil team. And something we've been wanting to do for a while. We just never had the chance. And now that Melissa has started the uh, Chivas Femenil English account, we finally had like someone that can come onto the pod and guide us. Because me and Luis are like, we'll, we'll, we'll admit right off the bat, we're like Liga MX Femenil noobs. Like, I've watched a couple of games. I watched um, the first year when Chivas made the run to the championship. Like, I remember that. But then after that, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll get into why. But, like, since then, I haven't really watched consistently. But, Melissa, yeah. this is your segment now. You're in you take over. We'll, we're, we're leaving. You take over. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll just talk to myself. <laughs> for a while. Uh, l- l- let me just say before we start. I, I said this before, like... And I said this a long time ago on the podcast. Like I don't watch um, Chivas Femenil team, and people were like, "Oh, it's because of female soccer and this and that." And it has nothing to do with that. It's just it's hard for me to like get um, what's the word? Get um, it's hard for me to root for like a new team. And I know it's a Chivas team, but it's just hard for me to root for a new team. Like I've tried watching MLS games. I've gone to MLS games. It's hard for me to like to to root for Orlando City because I live in Orlando. Um, and the fans get excited, and I'm just, I just can't. Like, I'm a, I'm Chivas, and that's it. Chivas and La Selección de Mexico, and that's it. Um, like, I'm a big fan of, like, Guardiola, and, like, I, I claim to be a Man City fan, but, like, I really don't care if Man City loses or not. So that's, that's why I don't watch um, the Chivas Femenil. But I watch the highlights. Whenever, like, you tweet them out from your account, I, I watched the highlights and there's some impressive highlights. Like yesterday's penalty save was amazing. Was it yesterday's or the other day? Uh, yeah, last night. Um, yeah, last night. Yeah, yeah, that was an incredible save. But I just want to say why I don't watch it before you guys start hating me. 
<laughs> and I think also it's like sometimes it's like it's been hard to watch. Like you gotta like find even going back to the the first year when she was won the league, I had to watch those two final matches like through illegal streams, and then they kept like buffering out, cutting off, cutting in. Like it's been hard to get like eyes on it. I know um, they through the end it does like a better job now. I think they actually air some of the games on um through the end so oh. monday nights i think they have them what, on is that the day what's their main day that they play monday mondays yeah Ooh. yeah they, they usually lump all the most of the women's matches uh, from the league on mondays some are on fridays at like four and there's a couple of them like early on saturdays but um a lot of them are, are on mondays most i wonder what's the reasoning behind that Maybe just they don't want to interfere with the men's during the weekend, or do they? Do you know if they have a reason? Um, yeah, they they are trying to sort of carve a niche out for them on Mondays because there's no men's okay. football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of becoming like their thing, and like for example, San Luis, uh, the women's team plays at like seven on Monday, so that's like a time where everyone who's out of work, they can just go over to the stadium. And, and since the tickets are like way cheaper, the ticket for the women's matches here in San Luis costs like 30 pesos. So a lot of families go over there. Do you go often to the San Luis games? Yeah. Or do you go to everyone? Yeah, to all of them. And actually, um, someone that I know from my, from my hometown, she plays at the San Luis team. Okay. Oh, that's cool. She, she would play football with my best friend. Um, she's really young. She's 18. I've seen her play she's, since she was 13. And it was hilarious because last season she scored on Chivas and I was watching with my friend who played with her. Uh-huh. And I was like torn because I wanted to celebrate because it was <laughs> her. But also she scored on Chivas and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so let me just t- so I know. So are you a Chivas fan or are you a San Luis fan? No, Chivas all the way. Okay. This look because there's some people that cover a team and they don't root for them, so no, I just no. wanted to make sure. Okay, she was yeah. There. I think I, I had already mentioned my origin story on, on another podcast, but my dad's a Cruz Azul fan. Oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I like suffering, but I chose a different kind of suffering, so uh-huh. like for Chivas, any specific reason or. Um, I don't know. I just started watching like football with my dad, and I started to fall in love with like my favorite player of all time is Ramoncito Morales, and I guess I sort of started watching when he was playing, right? And I like many became attached too. to the team around that time. Yeah, that's that's my so, favorite Chivas player too. Yeah, he's he's in like my top three. Ramoncito, I love Ramoncito. So going to all these San Luis games, do you find yourself cheering for them? Yeah, when they're playing someone who isn't Chivas. Yeah, of course, because I want them to do well, and uh-huh. they haven't gotten like a lot of support from front office. They've been lacking a little bit in that department, but people have really been responding. Um, attendances have been good within like what's expected from the league, and like on the Chivas match, it was seventeen thousand people. It was crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, it was crazy atmosphere there, and a lot of them were Chivas fans. It was actually more like a Chivas match than a San Luis match. Right. I saw that the Chivas Femenil team when they arrived there, they got like a really cool like um how do you say it in English? Like la, la recibieron. Yeah, the welcome was really cool. It was kind of like what they do for yeah, the men at there. the airport and stuff. 
Oh yeah, right. Melissa you, you was the out one the who, videos. She's right, the right. one who led the led the welcome, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just taking videos, but yeah, there's like a a part of like Reverente in San Luis. Oh, okay. So they have like a chapter there, and they organized like everything, and yeah, they they did a really good welcome because it it was the first time that the women's team came over here to San Luis, so they really went all out for it and. Yeah, I remember it was a bit crazy getting tickets for that match too because they were selling tickets for the men's team. So all the systems were like overloaded. And then for the women's team, like a lot of people were getting tickets. So you would go to, to pick them up and there was a lot of line to, to get tickets oh, for the okay. women's match, which, which was great actually. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the sound, like atmosphere sounded more like a Chivas home game. Like the Chivas Chivas chant would take over for like a couple of minutes when I was watching it. Yeah, there, there, there are a lot of Chivas fans here in San Luis, and I remember because America came here last season, and you did see some America jerseys, but it wasn't like as big as it was with Chivas that there were the chants organized and all that sort of thing. So, are you saying Chivas is el más grande de México? Absolutely, <laughs> no doubt about it. No, we, we just wanted, we just wanted more evidence. <laughs> um, I guess we could talk about. She was his last two. She was feminine's last two games. Um, they like we've okay. been talking about the San Luis game. They won mm, two nil. Two nil, right? Okay. And then last yeah, night, was... they lost to Pachuca one nil at home. But... Yeah, that was a bit frustrating because there was a lot of rain during the day, so the pitch wasn't. There weren't any puddles, but it was really wet. Okay. And there was also fog. They mentioned on the broadcast that there was uh, some fog coming down over the stadium. And also, Chivas has been losing a lot of players to the national team. Like right now, um, Janely Farias is uh, at the Olympic qualifiers, and she's like the starting center back. And Maria Sanchez, who was like the biggest signing, she hasn't even had her, de her debut yet because she's over there too. Oh, and okay. last week... The U-20 call-ups came over, and they had to let go Nicole Perez, who is, like, a starting midfielder, and Jocelyn Montoya, who is, like, also started, a starting player, and Annette Vasquez, who hasn't been getting that many minutes, but... So they, they are now with five players less because of national team call-ups. Oh, wow. So it's the same so that's thing, also right? Thing. It's the same thing as the men's team, then. That the guys. They're, they're the, the, the foundation for the national team. Yeah, those call-ups, they always butcher us. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to... Uh, and there's a rumor that the... You go ahead. There's a rumor that the <laughs> coach um, might go to the national team as well. Oh, they're going to say damn. come coach Chivas. Uh, <laughs> the guy team, too. Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting rid of Tena. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, so, so we're, they're... we're looking for a coach. <laughs> <laughs> So the national team is basically tearing Chivas apart. Yeah, that's always a problem with Chivas. But I was gonna say shout out to uh, Janelli Farias because she follows, she follows the the Chivas the Norte account, like always retweets uh, some of our stuff. But um, yeah, she's I didn't she's is she the captain for the Chivas women team? Like the when uh, she's not away? No, she she hasn't gotten the the captain yet because oh, okay. uh, that's pretty much Tania all the time. And right now, uh, Janelli isn't there, and Tania is injured, so it has been Blanca Felix, the goalkeeper, who's been wearing the captain armband. But yeah, I, I think it would be great if we could see Janelli with the with the captain armband too. 
I think she's she was she's a great player and she's I think the best signing that Chivas has done because she she just brought a lot to the table in terms of well when Nelly Simone came in as sporting director she said that she had like this really clear plan of what she wanted to do with the team because they were coming off a really bad season and she said that her priorities were making it to Liguilla developing youth talent getting signings, improving player conditions, and just basically trying to get like a better foundation for the team to grow. And also she also she mentions a lot um, making players like more professional on and off the pitch. And I think that uh, bringing Janelli was a, a really big move in that direction because you're bringing in someone who has like a lot of experience abroad, uh, national team experience, and She's also has she also has coaching credentials, so you are bringing in someone who can provide a lot for the team and to just take them to like another step up. So yeah, I think she she's been like a, a really key um, signing in terms of bringing Chivas to the to the next level because they they were losing a bit of ground to the northern teams like Tigres and Rayadas, so. When Nelly came in, uh, it was a huge change for the team in a lot of ways. Right. It's kind of been like, I feel like it's been Tigres and uh, Rayadas dominating the league, right? I think out of the last three, they've, mm-hmm. won, they've won the last three, right? Tigres and yeah, Rayadas. And, and the, yeah, and the thing is, um, well, when the league started, like Chivas won the, the first season, right? And then uh, because of the way the league uh, was working, uh, the league had a group system. So... It wasn't like right now. It works exact, exactly the same as the as the men. Uh, all teams face each other, but when the league started, uh, the teams were split in two groups. And the first two liguillas, it was only top four that made it to to liguilla. It was straight to semifinals. And after they won the championship, then they didn't qualify. And then the next season. Uh, they moved to like eight team liguilla like they always do, and they qualified there but lost on semifinals. So the those first three seasons, they were still like on con- on contention. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth season of the league, uh, they fired the coach that led them to the championship because there was a, a weird situation there. Uh, we still don't know what happened, but there was something to do with player contracts. Some players were let go, and they hadn't been told. Then it was like cut off for registration coming soon, and there was like this huge um, media attention to, to because of player conditions. And they fired the coach, and they brought in like a coach uh, two weeks before the season started. It was really, really fast in that season was really bad for Chivas. That's where they lost a lot of ground compared to the other teams. And after that, um, on the well, on May of last year, that's when they brought in Nelly Simon as sporting director. And that's when you sort of see this push from front office to say, okay, we need to invest on the team and we need to, to do things right so that the team keeps growing because they were really falling behind. Where are, where are they now in the league, like a table-wise? Right now they are sixth, I think. They have two wins, two draws, and one loss. That's not. Too and bad. are they to you? Are they like a serious contender for the championship? Mm, well, I think uh, uh, it's going to be a weird season because of the national team call-ups. So right now, I think they haven't really 
played against any top rivals, but the team's holding well. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but I'm not really expecting them to really um, gel until the second half of the season. Because, like I said, uh, Maria Sanchez was like the huge signing. And she hasn't even played yet. So we still don't know how, how well the team's going to work once all the national team players are back. But yeah, I think that if they manage to get into a good playing rhythm by, by the closing of part of the season, I think they, they really can can be a contender. And I think that maybe right now uh, expectations have been lower because of the results. But I think that's going to be good because they're going to be a bit under the radar right now. All right, so that's like the Chivas side of the of the feminine like league team, but like overall, like league wise, I know there are like a lot of issues that are going on as well. Um, mm-hmm. I know we talked a little bit before about a couple of them. Like, I don't know how much you want to say about each topic, but um, like to me, like the issues that like the big issues that stand out are um like the pay gap, the uh, mm-hmm. facilities that the women's teams use, like even like training grounds or um, stadiums that they play in. I know like Chivas until mm-hmm. recently, the women didn't play at Akron. They played um, on, on another ground site. Um, yeah, by the way. Yeah. And then maybe like how, how do you think the league can get more eyes on, on the league, on the feminine side of the league? Um, I know it's a lot and I don't know where you want to start. Chipping. I mean, we could start with the pay gap, I guess. Okay, in conditions, yeah, sure. Right, because sure. recently, well, I like la- last season they said um, when Monterrey won the league, I know it came out that their reward for winning the league was I think they all got iPads. An iPad. Right. <laughs> yeah. And compared to the That's men's crazy. team, the men's team who gets like a crazy bonus for winning it, and then man, I would have you, I would have hit the owner with the iPad. <laughs> if you rewind all the way to when Chivas feminine won the thing. Apparently they didn't, they didn't get any get any sort of bonus, so that's crazy to think. Yeah, they got clothes. They got clothes, I think. They got what? They they got clothes, I think. <laughs> that's that's crazy. They them. And headphones. I think someone mentioned headphones. That's but, crazy. Yeah, I, I mean things have have improved definitely, but also there's a lot that we don't know because with the men's league we know player wages, we know how their contracts are, we have all this information. And we sort of have an idea of how the economics work. But in the women's league, there's so little that we know. And like, for example, on the first season, players, they, they didn't really get like a, a salary. They they call them scholarships. And they were getting like $175 a month for players. And it has uh, been increasing. And right now, there's not a spending limit for teams, but there's also not a, a minimum. So we had teams like Veracruz where the players were getting like like around the same amount of $175 a month. And then you have teams like Tigres or Rayadas who pay a lot more. There's not uh, like an official number for the highest wages, but I know that some of the Rayadas players reported they were getting like 80,000 pesos a month, which isn't a lot compared to the men, but still for Mexico, it's like a very good, uh, a high wage for, for Mexico, that, right? That's good for Mexico, and the league is fairly new. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So that's why, um, so we have like the, the top teams, Tigres, Rayadas, America, and 
Chivas, I think Chivas isn't as high in terms of wages, but something that's been really great is that they really improve player conditions. Like Chivas, they have their own facility where they train, Chivas and Rafael, and that's like exclusively for the women. And they also travel by plane when it's long distances. And a lot of teams are still traveling by bus. Like Rayadas, they traveled from Monterrey all the way to Querétaro by bus last week. And Chivas have really... So maybe salaries are not as high, but like those sort of extras in terms of making player conditions a bit better, those are like the things that are setting Chivas apart a bit. They actually did a beach preseason in Manzanillo, and that's something that no other team in the women's uh, league has done. They haven't really had a, a beach preseason like Chivas just did. Okay, that's cool. I was going to say it's interesting because like the teams you brought up, like uh, um, just looking like when you say a team like Veracruz paying what they pay and then you look at what they what happened with the men's team, it's almost seemed like whatever's happening with the, the male teams is happening with the female teams too. Because it's the same thing you see, like the big high-paying teams for the men's side, high-paying teams for the women's side. And Chivas, I think Chivas is at a point where under Pelais and Amaury that I think they really care about the whole, like the, the whole Chivas from top to bottom, and they, they want to improve every single aspect of Chivas. Yeah, actually, uh, Amaury did an interview yesterday, I think. I was just checking it today, and they did ask him about the, the women's team, and he said that, you know, he's still learning about how how leagues, uh, women's leagues work all over the world and what he needs to do. So you can tell that he's really interested in terms of improving things for the, for the players, and he looks really committed, and like I said, those little things like travel, and they also hired uh, a new physical trainer, and he was with Monica Vergara on the U20 team that won second place at the World Championships, mm. at the World Cup. So they're bringing it good stuff too. So you can tell in those little details that they're trying to to be better for the players and and to build a better team. So maybe they're not really dropping a lot of money in signings like Tigres or or other teams, but they're really taking care of the players that they do have right now. I have a question. It's going to sound, it's probably going to sound so stupid or ignorant. Okay. Does, does the feminine team have the same thing as the male team that they only sign Mexican or Mexican-American? Yeah, actually, the whole league is, um, you could call it the Chivas Feminine League because <laughs> all the... <laughs> The teams are only allowed to sign Mexican or dual nationals. And even right. they weren't allowed to sign dual nationals until last season. Before that, it was only Mexican-born players. I f- yeah, I feel like I remember hearing stuff about that. Like, yeah, because Yanelli um, um, is actually the first dual national for, for Chivas. Okay, that's cool. I wish we had that enough for the men's. Fuerzas Básicas for Chivas, basically. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, and Chivas does have a youth team for the women, too. Oh, they do? Yeah, they, well, they call it the Equipo Piloto. Okay. And also, one of the things that, that Nelly consistently mentions is that she wants to strengthen that because they weren't really sending any players from the youth team to the to the senior team. And like a couple seasons ago, they sent a sender back, Kimberly Guzman. She's really good. She's like being called to the U20 national team. She's got a lot of potential. And this season... Uh, when they were doing the precision training at the at Manzanillo, they brought in five players from the youth team to train with the senior team to assess if they could maybe bring any of them to the 
to the senior team and they did bring one. Um, she's Isabella Gutierrez. She plays midfielder and she's also like consistently called up to the U17 national team. I haven't really seen her play, but she came in for a, for like 30 minutes against Pachuca and she stepped in to, to kick like corner kicks and set pieces. So she's confident and she, she was really doing great. So I think she's also got like a lot of potential there for the team. So they're trying to really recover that. In That's, terms of like youth development being something is that important. you said is that not normal? Like you said that do all teams don't have a fuerzas básicas? Well, that's I'm not really sure, but uh-huh. yeah, I think that's it. Must be like uh, well, maybe the more established teams that have right. like networks of of schools where they can get youth youth players from. Right, but Chivas right. does really have like a a lot of communication with their youth team. And they have like that relationship where they can send players uh, from the youth team to the senior team. And also they have sent like players from the senior squad to play tournaments with the youth team too. So kind of like how the U20 works with the, with the men. Right, right. Okay. That's cool. Do you, do you see like, um, like I know you, you brought up the U20 Mexican national team and the national team for the Olympics. Do you, do you see like within the last couple of years with Liga MX Femenil being run and like is there improvement in the women's national team as well now? Um, in the youth categories yeah there's a lot of improvement and yeah I think for the for the Mexican senior national team there's also uh, its advantages because there was, actually Janely mentioned this on an interview the other day that because the calendar is year round so they can play a full year instead of playing maybe some parts of the year, like the calendar is in, in some parts of Europe or in the US. And that's also like that consistency and just the fact that there's like a much bigger pool of players to pick from, that's also really uh, upped the competition. And some players are also seeing, especially the ones that are abroad, uh, they're seeing the Mexican league as an option that they can come back to and still get call-ups to the national team or even return to the national team if they hadn't been called up just because they are going to get that constant playing time and constant training right okay that's cool i know the women's national team was just playing right now i think they lost they lost to canada and um but i think it was probably you that retweeted it melissa um that there was a commentator saying that there was like a like a big uh like you notice the difference now with the mexican women's national team like they had more of a sense of style that they didn't have before and she, you know they were crediting Liga MX Feminine for that just that growth in such little time yeah I mean I think the the issue with the with the Mexican national team goes beyond talent because I think there there's plenty of talent there's great players but there also needs to be this push from the federation to say we are going to get um, a good coach and we're going to get them good tours so that they can prepare against the best teams and we need to make it more professional and you know we, we even joke about it those of us who follow the team because sometimes they don't even pull out, put out, put out the call-ups on time we have to be piecing the call-ups together from what uh, clubs announce and those little details so I think that there is a lot of talent and the league is definitely going to help but as long as the federation doesn't uh, put the support as well. It's going to be hard to to really capitalize on that, on that talent and on that uh, constant playing time that the the players are getting. Right. I feel like in terms of Liga MX Femenil, they won't. 
put more money into it until it starts being and it's gonna sound messed up but like it has to be profitable for them and i think that's just the like the mexican way of thinking i don't know if you listen to um the business side of soccer podcast that uh raul and um walter franco did but he was talking a lot about Liga MX trying to expand like their fan bases into the United States, but that they don't want to invest the money because they they want to see like an immediate return on their investment. They're not patient. They don't want to wait. Like Bundesliga, he, they were talking about it, has been losing money for the last five six years, putting money into the United States trying to build up their fan base. But like a Mexican team would never would never want to do that. They would pull out like in within a year because they didn't see anything from it. And I, I think that's yeah, I like think, a big issue for it. Yeah, I think it 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 still needs to find its footing. And yeah, you see like a sometimes backlash, uh, especially when these situations have arisen about you know players saying that conditions are not great, and you see like a really common complaint about oh yeah they want to win millions of of dollars like the men, but they are not generating that that kind of profit but I think that the first step for the league is to maybe look not so much into getting those million dollar contracts for the for the players but uh, maintaining like a minimum set of conditions right. for all players I think that's exactly. a, like the first big step because they really need to or the league should enforce like a minimum of, of saying okay you need to pay them at least this much so that they can really be professionals right. um there was this thing with San Luis where they spent several million dollars on Centurion, who played like what six matches, and the women's league was getting really low wages, and the team doctor got fired for for speaking out on on the topic. She was saying that she had to get a butcher shop to give me free meat to the girls so that they could eat what they needed to eat. So we're seeing like these crazy conditions, and I think that if the league maybe paid attention to that players would even perform better because right now they're doing what they can with really, really bad conditions of of work, some of them. Right. I think, yeah, you're right. I think there has to be, first they have to build like a solid foundation. And once you have the foundation, then you can start building up like wages and like conditions and all that. Like, it's like sort right. of what the MLS did. That's what MLS, I was about to say. When the MLS, yeah, when they started, they had a minimum. I mean, the the work the bench players weren't getting paid like that much, but at least it was a live. They were able to live off what they did. So I think you're right. I think that's the, the first step is to set a minimum to where these to where these athletes can focus on 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 being professional soccer players. I mean, even even now, Luis, like um, I like all the MLS um, salaries are they're like public knowledge if you like Google them up and stuff. And there are players on some of these soccer teams that make like forty-five thousand dollars a season. That's a, that's like the foundation they they need to I think start right. for a league MX feminine, or for any soccer right. league that's starting in the world. Honestly, right, but it's it's not forty-five to some might not be a lot, but it's at least enough to where these players can live off what they right. do and they can focus fully on 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 their profession. They don't exactly. have to worry about finding another job. They don't have to worry about that. They can just one hundred percent focus on soccer. And I think what Melissa says is the right move is find a way to get them paid so that they can fully focus on on on, the, on their profession. Right, and I think even like more established like European leagues, like we got the jokes that they're farm, they're you know they're playing farmers because some of these players are part time soccer players. They go to another full time job. 
think that yeah Liga MX I think they have to get that foundation first like focus on certain points and then you know once those are like set in stone they can move on to like other issues but it's like it's really complicated to to get a league a soccer league going Melissa for for it being a new league though do you see it moving in the right direction because like me as an outsider I don't know like I see a lot of I see like a lot of eyes on it on the league for it being a new league like when you like you said you, you, you I think it was I saw it on your uh, feed like you said the 17,000 in San Luis um, and sure the tickets might not be a lot but you're starting to see people like uh, pay attention to the league so is it is it like in moving in the right direction yeah, I think it is, and, and a lot of it is tied into the efforts each, each club is making to bring people in. Like, even just the fact that we are now getting used to seeing uh, women's football every Monday, mm-hmm. sort of people are getting into that sort of stability of saying, oh, oh yeah, right, uh, on Monday I'm going to watch the women's match. Right. And so they are kind of uh, creating this, their sort of own niche to be in. Right. So people are getting used to to seeing the matches on Monday and they're starting to get to know the players better. And also as uh, some of the players are getting like more sponsorships and they're becoming like more of a household name. And we see it like with Chivas, you get Nicole Perez, who is getting like a, a Nike sponsorship and she's out on, on, on TV ads and and people can start to to get more familiar with the players. And that also kind of generates that, that desire to go. And I think that it's also becoming an option for families because, you know, going to a men's match with your kids and, and your partner, it can be really complicated in terms of the financial situation. And the fact that the tickets are cheaper and, you know, it's your, the same team you root for. So that's also bringing in a lot of families to the matches. And that also brings like more people into the game. But yeah, I think uh, it also depends on on the efforts that each club is making. Like for example, Tigres, they have done a really great job of bringing people in because they they really put a lot of effort into. Like for example, they broadcast all their home games on Facebook. So at first, when there weren't that many TV deals, you knew that you could at least watch the Tigres game on your mm-hmm. Facebook account. And maybe someone who wasn't as convinced of, oh, well, let's see how this goes. You know that you can watch the game for free and then maybe that gets you hooked in and you can say the next time, oh, I want to go to the to the stadium to watch this team because I've seen them and I've seen that they're good. And also that they're a good team. So you can go and watch a quality a quality team play. So, yeah, I think it's it's also depending on on each team's um, desire to promote the their women's team, like, for example, Pumas hasn't even set up a Twitter account for the women's team. So that also kind of maybe has them lagging a little bit in terms of, of exposing the players and the team to the to the wider audience, right? Getting fans to be interested in the players and, and the team itself. Uh, national team success, I'm sure, would help also, right? Yeah, I mean, we saw a push after the U20 team that that went to the World Cup final. Um, Mm -hmm. After that, there was like a big push on the league because people were seeing these players and they were like, oh, where can I keep following them, right? right. And I think that that's like the generation that is really going to finish changing things because they they have like a much better process. 
uh, more support and they are getting the league where they can keep on developing. And we are seeing like uh, with Tigres that it's still not official, but the rumor that uh, Liseto Valle might go from Tigres to the Houston Dash. And we saw like with the move uh, from C of Ceci Santiago from America to PSB. So we are, as we see those kinds of moves from players abroad, that's also going to help people notice more. Right. So then another issue that we we wanted to touch on, we just didn't, well, I wasn't like really sure how to approach it, but it's like the, the sexual sexualization of the feminine players. I think, I know on Chivas, um, we got Norma Palafox, who's like, if you go online and stuff, you'll see, you know, you see the pictures, you see the comments. Um, even in the Discord channel we started, like on the first night, it started popping up and we just like, we had to put like an end to it like right away. We like started, we started mm -hmm. like banning people and we told everyone like, guys, if we're going to do this, you know, we're going to keep everything respectful, like keep in mind, like who could be in the room or like, you know, not, let's not think like that way. And then I know you had a situation at the San Luis game that I don't know if you want to go into detail about it. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, I talked uh, about it on the on the Chivas um, yeah. accounts, partly because I was also processing the situation. I mean, I'm, I I know how how things are like in Mexico in general. Right. Uh, I was talking to someone. And I said it doesn't scare me, but it doesn't make me less angry when these things happen. Right. But you know, I think that. Um, it's part of the of the culture, but also I think we need to think about how we can maybe push for a for a change there. And yeah, I mean, uh, some of it has to do even with media. I mean, there's a lot of things that I've seen on well, maybe well, yeah, maybe even in, in more established uh, media outlets. Right. Where they know that that's what's going to get them clicks and attention, and they are using that to their advantage, right? They know that if they put a photo of Norma Palafox, it's going to sell. And I think there also needs to be a push from, from the media itself to say, okay, we're not going to fall into this. We know it's the easy way, but we need to find um, ways to to make it so that the coverage is respectful of the players and that it treats them as professionals, you know? And you can see a lot of crazy stuff with that. I mean, I've even seen um people treating on the rage players like that which is like really messed up but it's also part of like the larger culture in in mexico and that we need to really rethink how how we are addressing the issues but there needs to be a willingness from the media from us as fans and from the league itself because okay maybe for anyone who isn't familiar with what happened i went to the chivas femenil game at san luis and there was this guy who went all the way from the stands to the lowest part of the stands. And he just started zooming in on the players from behind and taking videos and photos. And everyone saw it. I mean, the stadium was full and we all saw him. Some people yelled at him sort of in a mocking way and to get him to stop. And, you know, there was no security because he shouldn't even have been allowed to go all the way down there. And, you know, there's not much you can you can do or, or you sort of freeze in the moment and you say, what can I do to, to stop this guy? Because it was really evident what he was doing. And 
I managed to get a, a photo of the guy and I posted on my personal Twitter account and it blew up a bit. I took it down because I started to get a few um, DMs asking me to take it down, people pretending to be the guy and it sort of started getting a bit messy. So I decided to, to, to take it down because it's also tiring, you know, when you denounce these things, it's like you you expose yourself as well. Um, I'm lucky that I, you know, didn't get anything too too harsh. But right. I've seen what happens to people when they speak out about the issue. And also, luckily for me, um, people uh, at Chivas and also people who cover the San Luis team, they reach out to me and they ask me, you know, what happened. And hopefully, they can ask for better conditions for the players. But it's it's complicated, and and I'm still sort of grappling with the situation because you you think okay, what should I have done more, or maybe I shouldn't even say anything, or or what's happening. But I think that as the league grows and the exposure grows, and there are more fans, we are going to need to to address and take action as well as to what culture we we want for the for the women's teams, right? And I don't know. It's it's complicated. Um, it's going to be a bit messy, but yeah, we we need definitely. It's a it's a conversation that is going to have to happen sooner or later around the women's league. Yeah, for sure. And you you said like the Mexican media themselves does it, and like even everything else, the Mexican media doesn't have like a good reputation. Like I saw that post where you had that they were posting the girl that's like underage. And they even acknowledge the fact that she's underage. If that would have happened here in the States, that person would have been fired like immediately. And I'm sure probably nothing probably nothing happened to the guy in Mexico. And that's like mm-hmm. the it's like the culture shock, like watching from here and then you know, like the media here doesn't do that. Or to a certain extent. Like credited media, they won't do that. And I feel like credited media in Mexico does it all the time. And like I feel like that's you know, also like why some of the national team players run away from Mexico. Like they'll come to MLS now, and like they could live their life in peace. You know, they could walk down the street and not be recognized, or be chased by like like shady paparazzi that just wants, like you said, Melissa, clicks and stuff. You know what's crazy that you say that is we know we just had the Super Bowl with J Lo and Shakira right. doing the halftime show, mm-hmm. and like you said, there's there's a thing where it's when it's coming from like a media that it almost seems weird and it's like there's the there's the the video of JLo and Shakira where they're both shaking their butts and I saw it from the ESPN Deportes account with all these emojis right like, tweeting that video and I don't know like it just it, it looked weird for me like it being an actual ESPN account like tweeting that because that's like I feel like the, the ESPN in English wouldn't wouldn't ever oh they would never do that. Like that no never and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like the, the changing tone so... that they do to cater to the Mexican audience is crazy, right? Yeah. Um, I saw the same thing with the girl. Um, what was her name? You just said Palafox? Norma Palafox, yeah. That it, was, was... it was, what, like two, three weeks ago? Right. Like three weeks ago when it happened, when when, they, when the pictures of like her walking on the field or whatever. Um, yeah. The same thing. And it was when media. it's coming from like the media yeah. members. Yeah, the media members. Um yeah, like you said, like most of it's 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 a bigger issue than just women's soccer, or it's it's a cultural issue in Mexico, to be honest. Yes, yeah, I mean it's also um, 
speaks a lot of on the perceptions that a lot of uh, fans have on the on the women's league, right? Because they don't really think it's professional, or they think ah oh, they don't even play well, and and it ties into that. Um, I was reading this text by Rosario Castellanos. She wrote it in 1970, mm -hmm. 50 years ago. And she was actually writing about women's football in Mexico because that's when, when the World Cup happened in Mexico for the women. And I have it right here. And she wrote, women are still considered objects and treated as objects. When they reach the peak of dignity is when they are considered and treated as a useful object. The easiest the most commonplace and also the most degrading thing is to consider her an object of pleasure. The most sublime, applauded, and respected thing is to consider her and treat her as an object to perpetuate the species. But when one, or some, or many, leave the mold and decide to exist on their own, on a football pitch, on a lab, on a classroom, it can't be stopped because we live in decadent times in which men aren't as preoccupied of preserving their privileges. But that woman can be treated and considered an object, this time an object of mockery. And that's what we see still in the reaction of, of some uh, people when they approach the league. Um, they make fun of the players because they say, you know, that's not even professional football, right? So it just definitely ties into this um, uh, cultural change in perception that the league will have to do to be perceived as as professionals and to be respected as professionals yeah I, I, but yeah but like like we've been saying it's like a cultural thing i feel like i feel like even if the league does try to step in it has to be like a whole like we have to have like a whole culture shift in mexico like total mexico not oh, yeah, absolutely it's not like a league thing like the league can try to address it and they can try to fix it like the way they've been trying to to do the the chant, like they've been trying mm -hmm. to put an end to that, and it's I just mean, a matter of. It's, I don't, yeah, it's like a big Finish issue that you can't like, like say that situation repeats itself with Melissa, where the guy is like zooming in on the on the players behinds and stuff, like a ban from the stadium, right, and publicize it, like make make that a thing, make that a story. Don't make you know. The Norma Palafox and Short Shorts story. Like, make this look. This guy got banned from the stadium. He got banned from the men's men's games, the women's games, the youth games. He got banned from everything because he did this. And like, just start sending like these little messages around. And like, but it's like such a big cultural right. shift that we need. It's not. It doesn't. It's not just like a soccer thing that need a soccer shift. It's like a whole cultural shift in the country. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I was gonna say there's gonna be an old generation of people that you're not gonna be able to get through, but there's oh, a yeah. young generation that you got to start pushing the focus and and raising the awareness. And especially nowadays with technology, where where information spreads so quickly, you can spread information throughout the whole country. It's important to raise that awareness, right? Um, so, like you said, it's important on the on the leagues. It's important on the media, the teams, um, the national team um, to to. Um, show these girls and as as the professional athletes that they are i think that's one of the great things that that uh with women's soccer here in the united states is that they do display these females as these equal with the men you see the commercials uh for the super bowl and the halftime show they, they, should, they had some of the uh the women's national team players and i think that's what we need to start seeing in mexico as well with the with the athletes in mexico yeah, and I mean, there needs to be like a willingness from from the league and from the teams to to have these discussions, 
like the way they, they started to engage with the with the chanting, it, it's going to be hard and it's going to be uncomfortable, but it needs to be done. Yeah, I think, but I think as the league grows, I think um, teams and stuff, the league will address it. But yeah, it's like such a bigger issue than just like soccer. It's not. It's like a country cultural issue. Yeah, it's a country <laughs> issue. Yeah, it needs to, it needs to start happening where where mm-hmm. it's gonna start affecting like advertise like here change happens when it affects money when it affects teams uh money when you affect the advertisements you see all right change is going to happen we can't have this no more can that happen that has to happen in mexico as well yeah and, and it's if crazy not, it's not, not even, they're not gonna, right it's not even just mexico it's like a whole latin latin america issue right oh yeah for sure yeah yeah for sure sure all right um Let's see, what other topics do we want to see? Um, just, Melissa, like, in terms of, like, getting more eyes on the league, I think they've been actually doing a really good job because I feel like I'm more aware of the Femini League more, much more than I was, what, like, four or five years ago. Like, I see coverage from it. Like, peop- you, you write about it now. Like, I'll read the little summaries you do. Um, there's, like, a whole little group of like if you follow the right people on Twitter, you get like the stuff that's important. You get like Amy will tweet stuff out. You'll tweet out stuff. Um, Gotti too. Eugene, Eugene tweets stuff out. Gotti tweets stuff out. You know, there's like, you know, Se- the support is starting to get there. You know. All right. I saw Cesar and I think Cesar and Weasel today. They were talking about the Mexico game that was going on today. Right. Yeah. Like, so, like you said, there's there's definitely more focus, more eyes on it now. You're starting to see it more. You're starting to see it from the right people pushing it forward, and all these people that you mentioned are doing a great job in in covering the in covering the women's soccer team, whether it's at a league based or on the national team based. Right. I feel like like a really good World Cup run would do like a lot. For oh, the, that'd be amazing. For the yeah. For the feminine league, because I feel like in the stakes, like every time they win the World Cup, there's like a huge. Um, surge and like ratings and stuff for the nwsl they even got a contract for with espn plus for like the second half of their season after the world cup and before that i feel like they didn't have any tv rights right and it it gets these girls all these sponsorships and you start seeing them in more commercials yeah Mm -hmm. exposure the nike commercials um so yeah like a good world cup run would be amazing would come a long way like how yeah how, how do how do like the sponsorship sponsorships like work in Mexico, Melissa. I know we're not we're not down there, like so we don't like we don't see it on TV and stuff. But do do like some of the women get sponsorships? Are they like in commercials and stuff? Mm, some of them are like the the most um, high profile ones. Do like uh, for Chivas, it's Nicole Perez because she's like young. She came in from this uh, U twenty World Cup run. She was a captain of the team. And she has like a really high profile uh, sponsorship with Nike, so she's out like in nationwide ads for Nike, and she's like becoming the face for for women's football in in, in Mexico for for that brand. And in terms of the individual teams, um, I don't know if you have seen the the women's team jersey. The sponsorships are different. The um, Ah, for the Chivas Femenil, right. they have uh, Sello Rojo is like uh, 
the main sponsor on the front of the shirt. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there there are some teams that have some exclusive sponsorship for the for the women's team. So some teams have been putting in the work to get um, brands and, and and sponsors exclusively for the for the women's team. Okay. Um, all right, Melissa. So I don't know. Are there any other? I feel like we did the like a mini deep dive into. I mean, there's so many more things to talk about. Like we don't want to hold you for the for too long. Um, anything else that you wanted to talk about, or do you think we did mm. a decent job of like our first step into Liga MX feminine? No, I think it was great. Uh, I think that uh, now that Chivas TV is going to be in the states. Mm-hmm. I hope that more people in the states tune in to, to watch the women's games because they are already included in the in the subscription. So maybe hopefully people will will see okay it's included in the package. So let's check it out. No, yeah, for sure. So, I even watched like a like a U twenty team that I never watch. Like the camera angles are really bad. And like get you dizzy like at certain times. But you know the option is there. So I feel like if the option is there, people might you know might tune in. When's yeah. uh, when's their next home game? That, that'll be on Chivas TV. They played at yeah. home last night. It should so, be in a couple of weeks, I think. So two weeks about? Two weeks, right. Probably. Yeah, and actually, the, the Chivas uh, TV broadcast, they're mm-hmm. really good. Uh, the commentators really know the, the players from the league. Because sometimes on to the end and stuff, you see them messing up the names. And I've never seen that happen in Chivas TV. So if anybody wants to like start approaching the league, the Chivas TV broadcast is like a really good place to start because they do give a lot of good information on, on the visiting teams and how the league's going on in general. So yeah, they, they big, have really we're good We're big fans work. of their commentators. Yeah, we like them. They do really good work there. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, like you mentioned that, Melissa. And off the bat, I could tell because um, there was a free kick that they took during the San Luis game where the players pretend to like shove each other off the ball. And then uh-huh. someone comes in to kick it, and like that was like the first game I've watched in a while, and I was like, I was like, huh? I was like, that's interesting. I was like, I'm pretty sure they did it on purpose, but I'm not sure. And even the co- and then the commentator was like, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what just happened? It's like, the big, I thought this was a set play. They they got confused, and I was like, and then like you tweeted the next day that they've done it again. No, Cruz it was Azul. definitely planned. They they did it against Cruz Azul, I think, right? They scored like a golazo off of, off of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah so they, they've like... done it against Cruz Azul three times, Cruz Azul and on preseason. Okay. But against Cruz Azul, it was an elite game, and they did convert that into a goal by Tania Morales, actually. She's right. Goal. Yeah, so, like, if you have, like, knowledgeable commentators, they could have, they would have been like, hey, look, there's that play that they always do. But, you know, they don't, I guess they didn't know their stuff, the San Luis commentators. But, um... Yeah, they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> What but time? I, what time do 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 they usually play on Mondays? Their home games at seven, I think. Yeah, because they always overlap with the San Luis home games, and sometimes I have to be juggling there. Okay, seven. So about eight eight p.m. for us, Bora. Yeah, eight eight Eastern Standard Time. All right, we'll tune into their next game. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely give that one a watch, so we can come back. You know, we'll break the game down with Melissa. But, um, yeah, we'll be a little bit, we, and then we. I won't sound as ignorant next time. <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, no, and maybe as you watch the games, uh, you can get like more familiar with the players because we have some really interesting players on the team. All right, who's the star player? I want to know who's the star. Player? Who should I be mm. watching? Who's my trophy? Who's <laughs> well, 
Um, oh, just a, they all just bring different things to the table. But I think that on attack, Ruby Soto and Yashira Barrientos are definitely the players to watch for. They're great because um, they both uh, score, but they're also really good at giving assists. So they also okay. build game for the rest of the team. Okay. Oh, one more question. And as far as like the way the team plays, is it like an offensive style or... Are they defensive, like a like a Tuca Ferretti team, or how how do they play? What type of what type of style do they play? Mm, well, usually, uh, and the full of last season and the start of this one, uh, Coach Villa usually feels a four three three, okay. and they're really like offensive. Like uh, for example, the starting lineup against Pachuca. That one had more changes, but I guess against San Luis, you said you saw, you saw that that match, right? Yeah. I so saw you have that, players like that, Jocelyn yeah. Montoya, who is really fast on the wings. She's really really fast, and she's also very young, so she's got a lot of potential. And you have also Ruby Soto. They they usually play on the wings. Uh, Jocelyn Montoya plays on the left, and Ruby Soto on the right. And then you have Yashira Barrientos, who usually comes on the middle and she's really good at like reading space and generating that sort of place. And also on the midfield, the usually the, the three line that, that they play is Miriam Castillo in the middle. She's like more of a defensive mid, but she's she's amazing because she was one of the most foul done players on the league last season. Mm. And she never gets injured. I, I always pray for her ankles because she gets a <laughs> lot of fouls and she's never, never down. Like, she's, she's amazing. I love her so much. And then you have, um, usually on the left, uh, meet uh, Tania Morales, who is, like, the captain. She's, like, the veteran. And she has really good, uh, a really good uh, left leg for set pieces. She sometimes scores from that. She's actually had a couple of Olympico goals on corner kicks. Really? She was the first one to, to do an Olympic goal on the league. And on the right side, Nicole Perez, who also has like a, a really good free kick. She has scored goals from there a lot. And she's also very young. So, yeah, it's more like a, an offensive-minded team. And you can even see it like from the goalkeeper on, uh, the way Blanca Felix plays is also like really, really, really bold and really forward. Yeah, I think of that, of that game that I watched, Luis, like my... My two favorite ones were uh, Ruby Soto. I thought she had like a, she was like nice on the wings. Like she had, she created plays. She had like, I know she had one assist and one other potential assist. And then like, I've been a Blanca Felix fan since some. Um, I'm gonna check them out next time. First, next, next time they're on. The first season. Liga next time they're on Chivas TV, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely check them out. Wait, so when they don't play on Chivas TV, you, you, can't, fi- you can't find the games. Can you find them online? Mm, yeah, um, I always keep my DMs open, and I'm usually <laughs> able to find ways to watch the matches. So you can just send a message, and I, uh, I can help anyone with that. All right, sounds good. There's <laughs> a lot, of, a big underground network of people who want to find ways to watch matches. All right, Melissa, let them know what the handle for the Chivas Feminine English account is, and your personal Twitter account. Okay. So for Chivas is uh, at Chivas underscore F-E-N-G. And I also hang out a lot on the Liga MX uh, Fem E-N-G uh, hashtag. And my personal account is at M-N-O 
C-A-R-B-U-R-A, M no Carbura. So you can find me there. Or you can just find me at the Chivas one and I can redirect you to the other one. Right. And we'll, we're going to tag both those accounts. So, um, okay. yeah. So this has been another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. We are out.